Today we're going to move into a, another area of success, and uh, that is in an uh, area of our finances. And so we're just going to pray and ask the Lord to speak to us and uh, work in our hearts as we jump into the Word. Lord, thank you for your Word. Thank you that your Word uh, draws us, it molds us, it shapes us, it leads us, it lights the way for us, uh, it blesses us, it makes makes provision for us. Lord, we just thank you for your word, and we just yield right now to what you want to say to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, when I was in school uh, a few years ago, um, many, many years ago, I guess, uh, I, used to, I used to hate when it was a day for a test. And I don't know if it's like that nowadays, but there was a lot of tests. In fact, we had spelling tests and and math. A teacher would do pop quizzes for math. There was, it seemed like there was always a test, and tests were never my, my favorite, because uh, I was thinking about it this week. Tests hold you accountable. They, they hold you accountable. They prove what you know. <laughs> they, it, it, it puts it right out there, what you've, what you've mastered, what you've learned, and uh, they reveal how you've applied yourself, and that was one of the reasons why I didn't like them, because I, I didn't apply myself always the most uh, faithfully when I was young. And, uh, but most of all, what a test does, and what I want to kind of focus on a little bit today, is it indicates whether you're ready to move on to the next thing, right? So if you, if you didn't pass the test, the teacher would assign you extra work until you mastered that, and then you could move on to the next thing. And that's how life uh, works. Tests can actually be loving. A test can be loving, because a test reveals the heart of the teacher. It reveals the heart of the parent to move you along to greater things, to greater responsibility, to greater privilege. You know, Jesus was beginning his ministry on earth. And the Bible says that God allowed Jesus to be tested. In Matthew 4, verse 1, it says, Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tested by the devil. That's Matthew 4, verse 1. The challenges you face are sometimes opportunities. You think, ever think of this, that a challenge you're facing could be an opportunity for us to grow to greater levels of responsibility and privilege. When we're going through a challenge, when we're going through a test, could it be that God is wanting to lead us past where we're at and move us to greater opportunity. I want to encourage you today, don't stay where you're at. If you feel like you're in a challenge, if you feel like you're going through uh, some sifting, if you feel like you're going through uh, some, some, uh, some, uh, some testing, I want to encourage you, take the opportunity. Don't avoid the test, but take the opportunity because it could be that God is wanting to move you into another opportunity, a greater opportunity, another opportunity for more responsibility or more privilege in your life. You know, parents, when your child is, is throwing a fit, and they seem to do it always at the op most opportune times, like, like in the grocery store in front of everybody else or whatever, they do that, and, and uh, they, they're going through this challenging time, well, this is an opportunity for them to grow. It's an opportunity for them to be tested. You know, we can just let them have their way and avoid the test. 
We can just let them go. You know, we just say, oh, I'll avoid the embarrassment. I'm not going to give them the test today. Or we can help them pass the test. Uh, otherwise, what's going to happen is they'll get into this pattern of repeating this process of trying to get their way. And soon your child will become uh, a 25-year-old man or a 30-year-old man, and he'll be thinking, you know, the way that I get through a test is by demanding my own way and having a fit or whatever because I've never gone through the process of passing the test so I can be given more responsibility or more privilege. When we see people with privilege, we can become envious. <laughs> ever, ever look at somebody and say, Oh, I wish I was them, or I wish I had that, or I wish I could do what they do. But we need to remember that if we haven't learned responsibility along the way, the privilege is almost certainly going to lead us to failure or never come in our lives. You know, and as a young guy, I remember uh, getting up early one Saturday morning, and, and uh, I, was, I didn't have a two-wheeler. My, my sister Janet had a two-wheeler. And uh, I can remember getting on her bike and leaning it up against the, the back step of our house and figuring out how to ride the bike and get a couple of feet off and then fall over. I remember learning how to ride the two-wheeler. remember mastering it, getting around the yard. And then I rode out onto the sidewalk in front of our house, and I was so excited that I could ride the bike. <laughs> but it wasn't long before I said to my mom, I want to go uh, ride the bike down the street. I want to go to the park. I want to go to my friends and so, so on. But I had not learned the responsibility. You know, my mom was always like putting the brakes on. I never could figure it out why. You know, I knew how to do it. I knew how to ride the bike. Because she knew I had not gone through the process of learning the responsibility of being safe in traffic. And I remember one of the first times I took off, I ended up riding my bike. I was talking to my friend beside me, and I rode my bike into the back of a parked pickup truck. And I, 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 I looked up. I, I hit the thing. I, I didn't realize what happened. I, I just looked up, and I was in the back of a truck, of a pickup truck, on the parked on the side of the the street and the forks were bent on the bike and and I remember just being so ashamed of what I did uh, because I hadn't learned the responsibility that so the privilege couldn't come sometimes we try to circumvent the process of testing there most certainly would have been people in Jesus life that would have seen the favor of God on him and they would have said I wish I was him. You know, uh, right in fact, right before this scripture in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, if you look in your Bible, was Jesus' baptism. And, and if you read the story of Jesus' baptism, it says a voice from heaven and the Spirit of God descended like a dove on Jesus. And a voice said, this is my son whom well pleased. Man, wouldn't it be awesome to hear God say that about you? You can just imagine people saying, man, I wished I was him. I wish God would say that about me, you know. And... Uh, and, uh, uh, but I'd like to just think, I wonder how many of those same people saw the tests that Jesus went through, saw the trials that he faced, saw the things that he, and then they would have said, you know what, I wished I could go through that too. You know, Jesus faced three tests in Matthew chapter 4. These tests were 
the first one was to feed his physical hungers and passions uh, over what God wanted to give him. So that was the first one. And so th- this is, these are things that we would face. You know, we desire to have our own physical desires fed. Our own, uh, uh, how many people have dreamt of going to, on a vacation to a warm place in the last month? You know, you just like, oh, I wished I could go. I want, I deserve to go. You know, I, have, I should have the right to go. You know, we want to feed that physical desire that we have. And that was one of the tests that Jesus had to face. Uh, God wanted to give him something else. And then uh, the second test was to feed his ego. And his ambitions over who God said he was. And that was the second test that he faced. And then the third test was about wealth. And, over, and uh, getting wealth uh, before trusting God or over trusting God. Trusting in your own ability to, to generate wealth rather than trusting God for provision. All these were things that Jesus easily could have done. But he passed the test. It's interesting that the tests that are given to Jesus by the devil, uh, they're given to Jesus by the devil, but the answer and the passing grade is given by God. And that's often the way it works in our life. We might think, man, it feels like the devil is testing me. Well, don't get focused on the one that's given the test. Get focused on the one who's got the answer, right? So if you're going through a challenge this morning, don't focus on the... Don't focus on the one who's giving you the test. Don't focus on the one that feels like putting you through the trial. Focus on the one who's got the power to help you pass the test. And that's what Jesus did. In fact, uh, if you read in John chapter 10, Jesus, I wasn't going to talk about this this morning, but it just came to my mind, that Jesus talked about being the good shepherd. And he said, you know what? Uh, If you want to, if you, uh, my sheep, they, they learn how to go in and then go out. You know, Jesus was saying, they learn how to, to be in my presence so they can go out. If you want to pass the test, what you do is you get into Jesus' presence. That's why we worship God before we get into the Word. That's why we open our hearts to praise and thanksgiving because it, it gives us a pathway in to Jesus' presence. When we're in his presence, then we can go out in his power, right? We can go out in his victory, and that's what we want to do. When we're coming against a test or a challenge or a trial in our life, we're going to overcome it. We're going to overcome it by the power of God, by the Spirit of God. And so that's what we want to do. We want to get into his presence so we can go out and be empowered by God to overcome what he's called us to overcome. Now, the misconception that we have is that to have a good life is that it would be an easy life. But Jesus shows us that challenges can actually lead us to be victorious. Now, if you're facing tests and temptations and personal challenges, uh, I think we can be encouraged. I think you should be encouraged. If you're going through a test, that indicates to me That God has good plans and purposes for you in the future. You know, isn't that great to know that God doesn't want to leave me at the level I'm at. But he's allowing me to be tested. Because if I can get through this test, if I can see this victory, then he's got something greater. A greater level of responsibility. A greater level of privilege for me to live and walk in. You know, the second thing is that Jesus passed all the tests. 
<laughs> Jesus passed all the tests. And he is living in us. He's walking with us. Hebrews 4.15 says, This high priest of ours, that's talking about Jesus. A priest is, is uh, someone that gives us access to God, right? And so Jesus is our great high priest. He gives us access to our heavenly Father. We become children of God. Uh, of ours, understands our weaknesses. He knows. We don't have to hide it. <laughs> we're, we're silly. We're goofy if we try to put on, you know, a, a phoniness. He understands and he empathizes us with us. For he faced all of the same things we do, yet he did not sin. He overcame. He passed the test. And he is walking with us. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. You know, Jesus wants to give you the victory for the test that you're in right now, the test that you might be facing this week. You know, we're talking in this series about how we can flourish even when life is upside down. And Pastor Mark, I said earlier, he gave us some tools about building a flourishing relationship, even when things are difficult, even when we're told we can't be together. And I'll tell you, Carla and I feel your pain, you know. We're, we're, we're separated from our kids and our, and our family, and we want to be together. We're separated from our friends. We're separated from the church. You know, we love you. There's nothing more that we would love is to be with you. And, but we want you to know we can actually grow and flourish in relationship. We don't have to put our lives on hold. We can move into flourishing, even in the midst of challenge. And I want to encourage you, even in the midst of challenge, you can flourish in your finances. We can move from burden and worry and debt into peace in our lives. And I want to just give you a few uh, little insights into this today. Now, I'm not preaching this message because the church is broke or I want to raise or anything like that. I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm not trying to get you to give more. What I'm trying to do is bring some blessing into your life, some peace into your life, some joy into your life, and I trust that you'll be able to hear God's voice in this. So just like the devil came to Jesus in the wilderness... He also comes to us, and he'll speak to us, or he'll give us tests. Uh, and one of the things he loves to use to speak to you and I is money. <laughs> you know, the devil speaks to us through our money. Uh, the way Jesus showed us how to overcome the voice of the devil, the lies of the devil, the tests of the devil when he comes to us and begins to speak to us is with truth. And so we're going to use that same pattern today, you know, that Jesus overcame uh, those battles with filling his physical wants and needs and, and uh, so on with truth. We're going to use those same. So I just want to give you a little chart. Uh, I'm actually not sure how it's going to show up on the screen, but God's voice versus the devil's voice. So one of, the, one of the ways that we can know we're hearing God's voice, and God will speak to us through our money as well, by the way. And uh, one of the things that uh, God's verse, voice would say is that he would comfort you. The devil's voice, it would worry you. Right? Anybody ever been worried about where your next paycheck was going to come from or how you're going to pay for something? Uh, God's voice leads you. The devil's pushes you. God's voice encourages you. The devil's discourages you. God's voice reassures you. 
The devil's frightens you. God's voice, he convicts you. The devil, he condemns you. These are some of the differences how we can know uh, God is speaking to us or the devil is speaking to us. You know, three lies that the devil speaks to us using money. I want to talk to you about three of them this morning. And then three ways that God uh, overcomes his lies with truth. Number one, the devil says to us, you will be happy if you have more. <laughs> it's one of the lies the devil speaks to us, me, and I, I'm imagining you sometimes, that we would be happy if we had more money. You know, ever since I was a young guy, I believed this lie. I believed more money, more stuff, more opportunity would be what I needed it would bring me more happiness, more joy in my life. And most people believe this lie. And that's why the devil uses this lie. It's a very common misconception. It's a common lie that the devil uses. Did you know in studies it's been shown on average, there's no difference between people's happiness level in life if they're earning an income of $75,000 or more. It doesn't matter. Once you hit that $75,000 mark, there's actually no difference in people's happiness level. You know, you're thinking uh, one person's just got, you know, here, and you're thinking, man, if I would just be that person over there, then I'd be happy. And that person over there is looking at the next person higher and saying, if I was just that person, I would be happy. You know, it's just that, that thought that if I just had more, I would be happy. It doesn't stop the tests from coming. The, the fact that we know this. This is why people buy lottery tickets, why we think about cheating on our income tax, why we go into debt to buy things that we don't really uh, have the money to pay for them with. We'll go into debt. And all of these things are just traps that lead us. Uh, we think they're going to lead us to more joy, more happiness, but they actually lead us to more stress, more worry, and more bondage. And I don't think I have to talk to you about that. I think we all have that. We've learned that by experience. Solomon said, Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. King Solomon, he pretty much had anything and everything that he wanted. And he realized that when he became discontent, it led him to work harder and strive for more. And then when he got more, it, he felt satisfied. But it wasn't long before his satisfaction turned into discontent. And he pointed out that this is what my life is like. I, 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 I long for more, then I get more, then I, I get satisfied, and then I start striving for more. And I just find myself in this endless cycle of disappointment. And he pointed out that this lie... That the money we want would make us happy is just that. It's a lie. The truth is that will set us free that God promises to meet our needs. God promises to meet our needs. And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19 says. There's a difference between our wants and our needs, isn't there? And I think we all know we want some things, but we actually don't need them. We want some things, but we don't need them. And there's a difference. And God wants to supply us with what we need. 
The second lie that the enemy uses or speaks to us through our money is don't be generous or you will miss out. Don't be generous or you will miss out. I'm sure most of us have felt the tension between uh, giving to the church or a person who has need or keeping that, that money for something that you kind of think of. I, I don't know if I should give that because I wanted to use that for, for something else. Some people say, you know, God doesn't speak to them. <laughs> but you know what? I, I, oftentimes, I'm going through the drive through and, and uh, there's a guy that sits uh, uh, near the drive through when I'm picking up a coffee some days. And, and uh, he's got a little sign that says, you know, that he'd like my loose change. <laughs> and every time I see that guy, God speaks to me through my money. <laughs> he, says, he says, be generous. You know, and, and uh, I'm in the line thinking, man, I got enough change here for a coffee. I have, a, I have enough to, to get what I want. And I end up in a spiritual conversation with God. And God says to me, did you want me to switch mics or something? Or? Okay. And God says to me, and do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices... God is pleased. <laughs> That's what God says to me. And then I say, but if I give my change, I'm not going to have enough for a coffee. And then the devil says to me, you work hard for your money. You know, that guy needs to get a job. That's what he says to me. And then, and then God says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. You know, we can believe the lie that what we have is just for me. I am my own provider. I'm the one that makes the way for me. I'm the one that I can trust and depend on. I will make my way. Or we can believe the truth that says good comes to those who are generous. You know, Psalm 112 verse 5 says good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Have you bought into the lie that you're your own provider? I want to challenge you. Are you hearing the voice of God? Are you hearing his voice that says he wants to be good to you? He wants to provide for you. He wants to lead you into a life of generosity. You know, God is not in the withholding business. He's in the generosity business. He wants us to be generous to others in need in the way that he's been generous to us. The consequence of a generous life is that God will take care of us and ensure all our needs are met. This is the important reason not to live to the margins of your life. To live paycheck to paycheck because you have no ability to obey God's voice even when you want to. You're stopped from blessing others. You're damned up. You're blocked up because you can't even be generous. You can't even give an extra dime because you've been caught in the trap of just trying to make things in your, on your own. It stops blessing that God wants to release to you. 
He wants to bring generosity to the church. He wants to bring generosity to the poor. And he wants to use you. Lie number three. This is the last one. Sorry about our microphones this morning, but something's going on there. Lie number three. You are your mistakes. You are your mistakes. Has anyone made a mistake? (laughs) Has anyone made a mistake with their money? (laughs) No one wants to put up their hand, but we've all made mistakes. We've all made mistakes with our money. Have you ever got a credit card and said to yourself, oh, I'm just getting this credit card uh, so I can collect air miles or points. I'm just getting this credit card so I can build my credit. But soon you found yourself drowning in credit card debt. Have you ever bought something that you didn't really need, but something that you really wanted? Maybe a, a new set of golf clubs or a new TV or whatever, and you had to borrow money to get it. You know, put it on payments. And the payments are not in your budget. You can't afford it. Maybe you've made a greedy investment or got into a partnership and it headed south and you're just feeling the pain of what you got into. This is where the devil starts to talk to us. His words are not comforting. They're condemning. You know, the Bible tells us how the devil uses his voice when he talks about you and I. Revelation 12, verse 10 says, For the accuser, the devil, of our brothers and sisters, that's talking about people in the family of God, fellow Christians, are accused, or he accuses them before our God day and night. You know, the devil wants to bring accusation against you. He wants to find your faults and use them in a condemning way. Accusations are painful, mostly because there is just enough truth in them that we can't escape them. Isn't it true uh, that when you're when you get accused of something and there's a little bit of truth in it, it's just like it just grabs you and it just eats at you. They keep us awake at night. They erode at our faith, and we begin to believe that God can't even help us or that he would even want to help us if he could. You know, if we believe the lie, then there's no hope for us. But I want to tell you there's good news. There is good news for you that there is a truth that you are exactly who God says you are. Romans 8 verse 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You're not condemned by your past. You've been set free by your faith in Jesus. If you don't have faith in Jesus, you know why Jesus gave his life for you? To set you free from condemnation. There would no, now no be no accuser, not, an, not someone to identify you as a failure, you know, as someone who has uh, um, not been faithful. But Jesus wants to set you free. In verse 2 of Romans chapter 8, it says, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You know, you are set free. Free to live for Jesus. Free to know him and walk with him in victory. 
Now, does that mean we don't have any hard work to do if we've got ourselves into a pickle? No, that means we do have some hard work to do. But we can do it in the identity that we're God's children, and he's going to lead us into victory. Now, um, we don't have to fall into these lies. We can live by the truth as we're empowered by Jesus. You know, this year, um, I... At Christmas time, we got some presents. I don't know about you guys, how you do Christmas if you exchange gifts, but uh, we always usually buy a gift that's, uh, we usually do a draw or something in our family, but uh, someone gave us some gifts and puzzles, and we love gifts. You know, when I was a kid, there were seven kids in our family, so anytime we are in the living room, there was a party, <laughs> instant instant party. You get seven kids and and then friends on top of that, and you got like instant parties. So we're always playing games. We're playing Monopoly or or uh, Trivial Pursuit or some game. Uh, my sisters would always make up games. You know, when we're driving in the car, we're always playing playing a game with you know getting something. I can't even remember off the license plates, letters off license plates, and all that kind of stuff. But anyways, we got this gift uh, this year called Candyland. And I don't know if you've ever played Candyland. I've heard of Candyland, but I never played Candyland. And uh, I think people gave it to us, not because it's, like, age-appropriate for me. Uh, It says three and up because we have grandkids. And uh, we play it with our grandkids uh, when they come over, and they love this game. And it's actually kind of a fun game. And uh, if you've never played it, Candyland... uh, has a board, and there'll be a picture, but I want to show you this. There's a, there's a spinner. Isn't that cool? It's kind of shaped like a candy. And you just spin the, you spin the dial, and whatever it lands on, that's your fate. <laughs> that's what you got. So if you land on a double orange, you move to the second orange on the board. If you land on a, on a single green, you just, land on, you just move to that single green. It can be a lot of fun as you're moving along. And then on the board, there's bridges. So if you get to the to the space where the bridge starts, you actually get to go over the bridge in advance. And so people, if you, I don't know if you, are you showing the picture of the, the board? So that you can see on there, you can advance. It's a lot like snakes and ladders, you know, that kind of idea. And uh, the little guys are moving along. And when I play this game, I want you to know, I'm playing with my, my grandson, Toby. He just turned four last week. So, so the last time I played it, he was actually three. And Felicity's five and Adam is seven. And uh, we play, and, and uh, they're spinning, and I'm playing. And I'll tell you, every time we've played this game, and we've played it many, many times. I, I wouldn't doubt if we've played it 100 times since Christmas. Uh, I've never won a single time. <laughs> and I can look at them advancing up the board. You know, they get the bridge, and they go over. And then I get Lord Licorice's Lagoon. You know, and that's like a, a spot where you have to miss a turn. Or, or I land on the thing where I have to go back to near the start of the board, right? And they're advancing, and, and, and they win the game. They get to the, uh, the, the candy castle and win the game. And I think a lot of times in our financial lives, we're a lot like that. We're, we're, we're looking at where we are on the board, and we're looking at where other people are on the board. We're wondering, how come they're way up there? How can they're advancing? How, how did they get land on that one or the bridge? And we start to compare ourselves to them. And we start to, we start to not trust what God wants to do in our lives. 
And we, we start wishing we had what they had, or we start wishing we were them. Instead of being just faithful with what God has given to us, are you being faithful with what God has given to you? Are you going through the test that he's given to you to advance you on, on, uh, on in your life, in the responsibilities and privileges that he's planned for you? And, and you know, we have also were given puzzles at Christmas. And I, I just was thinking about it this week. I think life is a little more like a puzzle. Because in our family, uh, some of us are better at puzzles than others. But it seems like we get the puzzle on the table and everybody walks by once in a while and gets a piece. Some of us get lots of pieces. Some of us get very few pieces. But in the end, the whole thing gets done. The whole thing gets done. Sometimes we're just, we're, we're thinking about you know, what I want, what I need, instead of what God wants to do in and through us. Can we trust him with our finances? Can you trust him with the test that you're in now? You know, the reality is many of us have known each other for many years. But we haven't ever really let people know that we're close to how we're doing financially Maybe we're carrying a financial burden. Maybe we feel challenged or tested or stretched. Maybe we're struggling under a shame because we've mishandled our money and we're ashamed to say what we've done because we think this is a competition. You know, God loves you. He loves you. He cares for you. You know, pride can hold us back. The devil would love like ever to hold us back, hold you back. Hold you back from finding freedom, finding help. You know, the reality is everything we have is God's. Everything we have is His. And we're merely stewards of it. And God wants to show you how what you have can be used to build His kingdom in this world. I want to leave you with a few questions today. If you got a pen, I'm going to encourage you to write them down. Number one, What's a word that describes what God's voice sounds like in your life? What's a word that God's voice sounds like in your life? Remember we looked at that chart earlier? God's voice. God speaks through our money. (laughs) Is it a generous voice? Is it a peaceful voice? Is it a stilling voice? What's a word that the devil, uh, what is a word that describes that the devil's voice sounds like in your life? Is it a condemning voice? Is it a shaming voice? Is it a fearful voice? Number three, without comparing yourselves to others, what has God given you to be a steward of? What has he given you? Don't, Don't compare yourself to me or compare yourself to some other person 
What has he given you? What has he asked you to be a steward of? What has he asked you to be in your life? Without comparing what to others, what has God given you? And then number four, what does God want you to do with what he's given you? What is it that he wants you to do with it? <laughs> Those are some questions I'd like you just to consider. Man, we're so grateful that you're here this morning, worshiping with us, opening your heart to God's word. We're believing that God, even though you might be in the middle of a challenge, God's going to give you victory as he speaks his truth into your heart, into your life. Stand on his word. Stand in the promise that Jesus has given you victory. Right on. Lord, we just love you so much. Thank you that you're moving us moving us from condemnation, moving us from fear, moving us from, from uh, shame, moving us from being judged and moving us into freedom, moving us into faithfulness, moving us into generosity. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we can hear your voice and follow you. Lord, thank you that you want to advance us in our lives. For the ch- those that are going through a challenge today, going through a season of just try, just a trial, Lord, we just pray that you would help them to pass this test. Move them on. Advance them into greater things in their lives, to greater responsibility, greater privilege, we pray. In Jesus' name, help them to, help them to stand on the truth of your word. Thank you, Jesus. And for those that are with us today that never opened their heart to you, just want to encourage you just to, to pray and invite Christ into your life to say something like this. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. And today I want to open my heart to you. I want want your peace in my life. I want you to lead me in my life. I'm tired of being led by my own wants and needs and desires and it's just getting me into trouble. And I want to be set free from that, Lord. So I just pray you come in and begin to speak to me and work in my life. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. Clean my heart. Wash my heart. Just repent, Lord, of any stubbornness or any sinfulness in my life. And I just ask you to deliver me from that. Thank you, Jesus. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you, Lord. I love you, Jesus.